0: I got to grow up in a founding family of this church, something I'm I'm super grateful for. Um, our church was originally founded in 1980. At that time, we were known as Fairview Louth Community Church. And uh, a few years later, I came along and would have been at or attending my first service somewhere in the week after Christmas of 1984. And uh, not to get cutesy on us, but here's a little little kid picture of me at one of our annual church retreats that we went on together. And as a result of getting to be part of this, uh, church and faith were a regular part of my upbringing. Um, Aside from vacations, we kind of attended pretty much every Sunday, Sunday, even sometimes twice on Sunday for our monthly evening service. And my parents were were very involved and uh, contributed and served in so many ways. And they participated faithfully in things like Wednesday night Bible study. You know, they read Bible stories to us at home often. Um, I went to Tuesday night boys club, Thursday junior youth, until I graduated to Friday senior youth. Um, And I attended our faith-based summer camp uh, for weeks nearly every summer at camp crossroads uh, all of which inspired me to get baptized to kind of make my own choice to follow jesus at the age of 14 and then i began to get involved in in serving and leading within the church myself um we were kind of church and faith veterans and and all of that did help me grow in what it means to to know and follow jesus um but in the midst of all of that, that church upbringing, uh, alongside our commitment to Jesus and our faith and our church, like all families, our family had its own kind of complications and whatnot. Um, you know, in an effort, I think, in sort of the culture of the time to be a good church family, uh, we worked really hard to sort of keep it all together. To make sure things were going well and, 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 and looking like they're going well from all angles um, not that we didn't have our occasional conflicts or dysfunctions like all families, but we kind of worked hard to not let them bother us or slow us down, especially in our church and faith life. Um, this also meant that we tended to try to say yes to nearly everything. You know, if someone asked our family to do something or be somewhere, um, the answer was yes, because we were needed and we didn't want to let anyone down and maybe even worse, didn't want to risk appearing lazy or unproductive in some way, um, and these are, are good qualities that I am so indebted to my family and my upbringing in our church to having instilled in me some of these strengths like harmony and perseverance. Um, but like for all of us, our strengths can also come with shadow sides. Um, over time, I think I began to notice how an unwavering desire to, to keep it all together it can sometimes have us unintentionally um, not as aware or not always as honest with ourselves about how we're we're really doing or some of the dysfunctions that we may carry around with us. Um, As well, since we tended to say yes to everything, wanting to serve and please every beck and call, um, sometimes it was hard, or we had this tendency to, to maybe feel maybe a little bit critical or, or even judgmental of someone not doing as much or contributing as much or not saying yes as much or, or, or serving as much. Um, and all of that pace of life sometimes felt like it kept me on the edge of, of overdoing it with maybe too many commitments or too many appointments, too many expectations, and sometimes a weary spirit in the midst of it all. And for me, as I grew into adulthood, I began to recognize how how some of these habits and patterns, especially in my church and faith life, uh, were becoming part of the independent adult life I was establishing. You know, though I was a veteran in church and faith, um, in some of these ways, I was an emotional and relational beginner. Um, You know, trying to keep it together, I I began to realize that I was rarely aware of or expressive of some of the more difficult feelings, like we heard about last Sunday of of, uh, sadness or fear or anger. Um, And being hardwired to people please and say yes to everything, you know, I I often didn't know how to be honest with myself and maybe with others about um, what I really wanted or didn't want or having a capacity to say no at times. And most significantly, as a person who grew up highly valuing my faith in Jesus, you know, in subtle ways that I didn't first recognize, um, began to, to see how these emotional limitations were actually limiting my capacity to, to grow spiritually and continue becoming more like Jesus. You know, by not always being honest about my feelings, um, like honesty was something Jesus held in pretty high regard, And in potentially sometimes having the tendency and kind of doing too much to to potentially critique or judge others, like judgmentalism, if you didn't know, is also a big no-no for Jesus. And it turned out that my emotional immaturity in some of these ways was directly linked to and sometimes even inhibiting my spiritual maturity, my capacity to keep becoming more like Jesus. Now, uh, nearly 30 years ago, Pastor Peter Scazzaro, who is from Queens, New York, Uh, he had this kind of revelation in his own life through kind of his own crisis of faith and leadership. And Pete uh, tells his story in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, which is what this series and these ideas are based on. It's the resource that's kind of guiding us on this two-month journey. And uh, what Pete, through this book, helped me realize in kind of those learnings from upbringing into adulthood is that it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. This is the big idea of emotionally healthy spirituality, that it's impossible to continue becoming spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature, that our uh, spiritual well-being and our, our emotional well-being are inseparable. But part of what Pete points out, and kind of what be, can become the problem in of missing this in in life and in church and faith is that uh, usually in the activities of our faith lives, our efforts to become more like Jesus, we we often don't recognize this. You see, emotionally healthy spirituality um, it actually comes to terms with the reality that our our lives and the transformation we seek to experience are often experienced like an iceberg. It's it's the image of the book. It's kind of the image of the series. It's one we'll see kind of throughout this journey. And if you know anything about icebergs, what's most fascinating about them is that what we can see above the surface of the water, you know, as massive and as spectacular as it may be, actually only accounts on average for about 10% of the actual iceberg. And the remaining 90% of the iceberg, of uh, the space it takes up, where it, it forms and reforms, what really kind of defines what the iceberg actually is, it actually exists below the surface of the water, where we can only see it if we dive below the surface for a deeper look. But since what's above the surface is what's so much easier to see, um, that's what we usually focus on when it comes to trying to change our lives and grow spiritually. You know, we participate in all kinds of external things. And they do help us and they work to some degree. You know, we attend church services, which you know, when we gather this way, we value deeply and what it can mean for our lives. But then we participate in small groups. We volunteer and serve others. We read the Bible. Maybe we find some minutes to pray. We listen to podcasts and devotionals, all of which help us learn and grow. And they have some spiritual impact in our lives and the lives of others. But I don't know if your experience, if you've participated in such things, if it's at all like mine, where sometimes we can still be actively engaged in all of these kind of spiritual activities, and yet certain parts of who we are, um, our desires, our instincts, our impulses, uh, our uh, reactions to people around us, our ways of relating, our, our, our habits they somehow remain unchanged, or wounds that keep reoccurring inside, they somehow go unhealed. As we see in this um, emotionally healthy transformative process, kind of an image of this idea, you know, in addition to and beyond all the ways we traditionally seek to grow our faith in the church, you know, the work Jesus wants to do in us is deep. it's holistic. It's, it's inside out to produce the, the truly life-changing transformation below kind of the waterline of our lives. And so this work requires a level of emotional awareness and emotional health and in-tuneness with our interior if we're really going to be transformed at the root of who we are and how we operate in the world. Um, This is what the first chapter of the book describes as kind of the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality, that disconnect between above the surface and below. And so if this is the problem, I guess, so the next question for us is, how do we know where we fall on the spectrum of emotional health to emotional unhealth, especially if we're seeking to be people that are growing in what it means to live like Jesus? Well, in the the first chapter of the book, um, Pete outlines uh, what he describes as the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And I want to go through these and I'll go kind of quickly and give a brief description to each. I mean, obviously, if you want to get this book, you can dive into all of this further. Um, But as I go through them, I want you to think about, um, do you relate to any of these? Do any of these kind of resonate with your, your life or especially if you're someone seeking to follow Jesus, maybe sometimes how you've gone about your faith. The first is what he describes as using God to run from God. Using God to run from God. This is when we, um, use a lot of what we call good sort of God things, a lot of this spiritual activity, um, or, or, busyness in the church, uh, to feel like we're doing all the right things while at the same time we might actually be using them to distract ourselves maybe from some pain, um, or maybe from, uh, the quiet voice of god by his spirit again trying to speak to things deep within us that he wants to root out and change that has to come from within and not from all this external activity next he describes ignoring these difficult feelings of anger sadness and fear we heard a lot about this last sunday and it's when we assume that these feelings aren't just difficult but they're somehow bad or they're they're unchristian even though they are part of what it means to be human, and they are feelings we saw we see expressed in Jesus. The next symptom is dying to the wrong things. Um, Pete Cazero describes this as when we just live this woe is, "woe is me" way of life. We believe the Christian life is only and exclusively about suffering, um, rather than recognizing Jesus invites us to die to things that aren't loving in our lives. You know what we call sin so that we can live to the goodness and the joy and the abundance and the peace that Jesus has for us. Next, he describes denying the impact of the past on our present. Now, the reality is we all have a story. We all have a past. We all have a journey that's brought us to who we are today, and our past significantly affects kind of who we are and how we operate in the world. And while when we put our faith in Christ, we get adopted into a new family and we become a new creation, the journey of sanctification is a long one. And so rather than denying our past, uh, this kind of work recognizes that Jesus wants to to look at our past with us and see what kind of slow change he wants to create. Um, Pete Scazzaro sometimes summarizes this saying that we put our faith in Christ, yes, Jesus lives in our heart, but sometimes grandpa still lives in our bones and there's becoming part of this new family. There's a work that we have to do. Next is dividing life into secular and sacred compartments. I mean, this is kind of when we believe God wants us to act a certain way on Sunday or in our small group, but on Monday morning at the office or at the job site or at school or in the dressing room, it's a totally different story. Um, Next is doing for God instead of being with God. You know, believing we have to just keep... uh, doing all that we can to sort of achieve for God or do enough, almost like he's our taskmaster rather than just relating to God as the lover of our souls. The next symptom is spiritualizing away conflict. You know, this can happen when maybe we experience a conflict in our life or or maybe a series of conflicts and we want to just kind of pray them away or maybe we use spiritual language though we're spiritually under attack. Um, Maybe rather than pausing, in in quietness with God, look in the mirror about how God may be inviting us to step into critical conversations and engage in reconciliation. It may involve confession and forgiveness and repair to do the hard work of actually resolving conflicts. Next is covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure when we want to again appear that we've kind of got it all together and we live a fairly closed off invulnerable life which can actually fuel sort of an expression of arrogance but often a deep insecurity while deteriorating our trust and relationship with others. Next is living without limits. This is when we think we can do it all Um, and we try to kind of control everything, and we're kind of living as the God of our own universe rather than depending on the God of the universe who has made us as humans with limits. And the tenth uh, top symptom of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is when we judge other people's spiritual journey. When we somehow assume we have life and faith all figured out um, and others should know better and we ignore the reality that we all have a story and that I actually require infinitely more grace than i realize these are what pete calls the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality and the things that can very subtly most often stand in the way of our spiritual growth well, As i went through that list i don't know if there's ones that kind of connected with your heart or experience um but as i've reflected on it there are definitely a few that are true of me um Things like wanting to ignore the hard feelings in me of anger or sadness or fear, you know, I can be inclined to want to be optimistic all the time. You know, falling into the trap of of doing for God rather than being for God, trying to achieve and accomplish, believing yeah, that's what God wants, and if I'm doing that, I'm I'm all good, rather than letting God love me and change me from the inside out. Um, Covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. Wanting to live and lead from a place of kind of having it all together rather than being vulnerable about the ways and places I'm weak. And for me, living without limits is an ongoing obstacle or temptation or area of unhealth where I can overdo it in trying to believe I can do it all. And in all these things, when I pay more attention to them, I begin to realize how they, they limit my capacity to become more like Jesus, regardless of all of my spiritual activity on the surface. So if these are some of the signs and symptoms of our uh, a less healthy sort of spirituality, um, as we're on the outside of this journey, you know, how do we lift our eyes up to the horizon and embark on seeing what a more emotionally healthy spirituality can look like? Um, This is also defined in the book where Peter Schizero describes a few of these signs of a more healthy, emotionally healthy spirituality. I'll give them a few really quickly just to give us a bit of a vision for this. I mean, the first is just being able to name and manage our own feelings. Come to the awareness of being able to confess what's really going on in our hearts. And out of that, allowing God by his spirit to um, help us manage those feelings, giving us the kind of self-control we may sometimes even need in relationship with our feelings. Out of that awareness, then, uh, having a greater empathy for others, having an active compassion on others. When we're in tune with our own feelings, we bring them before God. Now we know how to be really compassionate to others as well. Another sign is actually breaking free from self-destructive patterns, having the capacity to look at what we need to look at in our lives to become different people who are free from things in our life that haven't been helpful or healthy Another sign is learning to respect and love others without having to change them, actually growing towards unconditional love. The next is asking for what we need or prefer clearly and directly, being able to respectfully and kindly kinda of say what we need, especially in our closest relationships. Another sign is learning to resolve conflict maturely, you know, gently, respectfully, quickly. And another big piece of growing an emotionally healthy spirituality is grieving and processing loss well, coming to terms with the fact that grief and loss are a part of life, they are a part of love, and rather than ignoring it or trying to suppress it in others, we let God meet us in our grief and guide us through the journey. These are just a few of the signs of a more emotionally healthy life that I think then becomes more ripe for the holistic transformation and spiritual maturity Jesus has for us. And throughout the rest of this series, we're going to be looking at the sort of seven pathways that are described, kind of getting this outside voice and resource to help us along the way of what it means to grow into more emotionally healthy people and also engage in this this journey of a deeper contemplative prayer life with God, to spend more quiet time with God so that we get under the surface together. Um, But if that's kind of the introduction, kind of defining the problem of of living our lives in an emotionally unhealthy way, as I wrap up, I want to just give us a few minutes of looking to Jesus together and giving us one glimpse. Uh, I mean, the book has glimpses, this devotional we're encouraging people to participate in has, is kind of a daily routine of this, but one glimpse of where we see some of these dynamics at play in scripture in people's relationship with Jesus. And it's an episode that really poignantly captures the contrast between a more emotionally healthy approach to our life with Jesus, and one that is more harried, frantic, and worried about everything above the surface. If you have a Bible app, you could turn to Luke 10 as you may want to look at these words yourself or reflect on them for a few moments as I read them and then unpack them. In Luke 10, 38, it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Friends, this is a story. It's one episode. It's obviously not the full picture of these two sisters' lives. But it's a story here where, in this case, they're having two very different experiences with Jesus and kind of displaying two different levels of emotional health and maturity. As Pete points out in relationship to this story, Martha is actively serving Jesus. But Martha is also missing Jesus. She's actually missing what Jesus wants to do deep down in her heart and soul. Her life is pressured and filled with distractions. Her duties have been disconnected, become disconnected from her love for Jesus and for others. And in the midst of her stress and busyness, she can't help but judge her sister. Friends, Can you relate to Martha? I know there are so many ways that I can. Um, I know that I live way too much of my life and maybe in the context of my work, where I can be so busy up to my eyeballs and sort of this God stuff or spiritual activity, kind of thinking that, you know, I have to keep myself so worried and anxious about it all and in a way that sometimes can create this sense of a, you know, a platform to critique or judge anyone who's not living up to my standard. But friends, that is not love. That is not the way of Jesus. And that is not good for my heart and soul. But Mary, on the other hand, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to Jesus. She's being with Jesus. Yet the sense that Mary is finding joy, she's enjoying being in his company um, and finding gratitude in his presence and the presence of others. And at least what we see in this episode, operating from this deep, loving presence, we, I think we can kind of suspect that if or probably when Mary helps out with the, the many things that need to be done around the home, she doesn't go about it in a worried or upset way because her life, her identity, and her emotional well-being is centered on Jesus. Jesus says that Mary has chosen what is better I think the question for us at the beginning of this series is what will we choose? Um, will we be li- willing to look at the problems of emotionally unhealthy spirituality in our own lives um, and engage in maybe more space, slow down quiet space with Jesus to let the kind of transformation he wants to do in and through us actually come about? Now, how are we doing with the symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality? Might be a great question to process today over lunch with your household or with friends or in your your life group this week. You know, are we ignoring difficult feelings? Are we avoiding relational conflicts? Are we trying to escape or run away or or numb pain? Um, Are we unaware of or simply feel unable to know how to navigate how our past still impacts our present? Are we tired or worn out or feeling like our faith is an unbearable burden? Are we rushing about like Martha, worried and upset about many things when in reality, few things are needed? If you can relate to any of that with me, um, I think the question is, are we prepared to look below the surface of the water? You know, the, the 90% of our lives that really then shapes and informs who we are and how we relate in the world. Um, and let Jesus do the work that he wants to do. I know I'm not there yet, um, but years ago, even as I became aware of, of this idea and some of this material... Uh, And have sought to then deepen my practice of contemplative space with Jesus. I have sensed that, probably slowly, but that it is changing my life. I am a slow work in progress, but I think I'm slowly being set free from the need to keep it all together. I'm still being transformed, but... I hope and think I'm increasingly able to be more comfortable with my feelings and honest about kind of where I'm at and what I need. Um, I know I can still grow in what it means to love others well, but I am learning one step at a time to keep paying attention to and stopping and dropping the judgmental impulses in order to just continue to participate in um, kind of love and acceptance and grace and forgiveness that Jesus has extended to me. And when I do that, I see it changing my life and my relationships for the better. And like Mary, I wanna choose what is better. It turns out our emotional health and our spiritual maturity are inseparable. That it's impossible to be as spiritually mature as Jesus invites us to be while remaining emotionally immature. So can we get honest with our symptoms? Can we take the brave look beneath the surface to actually experience a kind of spiritual growth, a transformation, a healing, amending, and restoring in a way that maybe we have only ever dreamed of? Friends, that's my hope and desire and invitation for us that we may together make this choice together to leave behind an emotionally unhealthy spirituality in favor of the more healed and whole life that Jesus offers that's my prayer let's pray together jesus we thank you that your promise is one of abundant life of life to the full of the most flourishing life we could imagine Um, and we know we don't always experience that for lots of reasons some in our own lives some in how we've been impacted by others We recognize that you want to do the kind of work in us that keeps drawing us towards that abundant life. And it's a deep work and it's a hard work and it's an uncomfortable work. But would you give us the courage to explore it? Um, Would you give us the strength to endure it? Um, And God, as we seek to do that, we open ourselves up in our free will to you. We trust that then you will do what only you can do loving us, and by your love, transforming us from deep within, inside out, to become who we are meant to be in you. We thank you uh, for your commitment to do that for us and for this community to share in this together. We pray. Amen.